Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is sponsored by Stephen Rapport in honor of the Kahal. Wishing the Kahal a happy and joyful Sukkot, Shmini Atzeret, and Simchat Torah. Breakfast on the Class is also dedicated in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat Moshe, Ben Miriam Ushilomo, sponsored by uh, his wife, Giti Hakimi, and his children, Farhad, Devorah, Brian, and family. Ruch HaMet Breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory of Nishmat Adi Ben Perla. Alava Shalom sponsored by his son Perry Avitan. Baruch Breakfast in the class also sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. We'd like to welcome the very youngest member ever of Breakfast in the class uh, today. If you could just give everybody a nice hello. Say hi. What's your name? Being shy? Okay. Well, uh, back to you after these messages. Okay. Uh, let's begin, my friends. I was asked specifically to repeat um, a Devar Torah or the Devar Torah that we shared on Shabbat uh, this past week um, because uh, a few people had told me that they heard it, but they didn't quite understand it. So I just wanted to share with you. It's a very beautiful idea brought from the Ben Chai. The Ben Chai asks a very simple question. We read on the holidays, on uh, Sukkot, on uh, Pesach, on Shavuot, we read from the Torah about the Pesukim that refer back to that holiday. And uh, the question he asks is, what is the reason why we have this, why is this necessary to read over the parasha, special parasha related to that holiday each time again and again. What's the point? And not only that, we also read all of the holidays on each holiday. You want to read a holiday, read the one that's related to that holiday, and that's enough. Why are we reading all of those uh, parashiot together? It's almost as if we need all of the parasha, all the parashiot, all of the muadim need to be brought, need to be spoken about together when we celebrate each of the muadim. So, the Ben Chai brings a teaching from the Chachamim which is somewhat uh, difficult to understand. And he sheds the most beautiful light on it and gives us an unbelievable understanding. He shares that there are four Pesukim that are brought down together in Chazal that are connected. Four times where it says the word Ele. The Pasuk says, Ele we all remember that. Where do you remember it from? Kiddush. When you're dying to eat and the hazan is hazaning away his ele mu'adamunai. Okay? So we know ele. These are the holidays of Hashem, which are the mu'adim, like we said, Sukkot, Pesach, and Shavuot. Okay? And yet, there's another pasuk that is brought down by the Chachamim that's connected to this. Ele Elohecha Israel, Asher Oseticha Israim. These are your gods, O Israel, that have took you out of Israel, that took you out of Mitzrayim, out of Egypt. When was that Pasuk said? It was said by the troublemakers, by the Ayerev Rav, that uh, built the Egel, that tried to get all the Jews to come and serve the golden calf. They reached out and they said to everyone, Fadal, come, you know, let's serve the golden calf. How can there be a connection 
between Elim Mu'adei Amunai, between the festivals of God, the celebrations of Pesach, uh, Shavuot, and Sukkot, and the story of the Egel. How could those two things even be mentioned in the same word, in the same breath? Never mind, use the same words to describe it with Ele. But then he goes on and he brings the Chachamim bring two other pesukim as well. We said it to another one this morning. Ele eskera nafshi. On these, these I will remember. Hashem says. So we have a pasuk that talks about Ele Eskira. And the fourth pasuk is Ele Gam Ele Tishachachna. Even these I will forget. So one pasuk speaks about Ele, the holidays. The second pasuk speaks Ele about the Egel, the opposite. One pasuk speaks about Ele Eskira, these I will remember. And one pasuk speaks about the opposite, these I will forget. How do we have these bipolar eles going on over here. And what's the significance of them as well? And he says something which is unbelievable, just so gorgeous. It's one of those situations when you start to realize how much is going on behind the scenes that you're just not aware of. Like, you know, i just give you an example for this. I saw a while ago, there was a, a bunch of people sitting and I, you just see these lights moving back and forth and up and down. and It's not very impressive, right? And everyone's clapping and I'm like, what's the big deal? There's some lights on a screen. Until the camera zooms in and there is no screen. And what was this entire light show? It was thousands of drones flying in tandem together, making perfect movements just with the light shining in the front of each drone. And each drone was separate, independent, but operating in complete uh, unison, in complete synergy, like this choreographed dance. But you only got to see it when you got up close enough to realize that it wasn't this surface-level screen that you thought, but really something much deeper. Independent things working together. And many times when a person is studying Torah, that is the feeling that you get. You see a story, another story, you don't realize, and you start to realize that in the background, each of these disparate things are operating together in order to give you this magnificent picture that emerges when a person studies Torah with a little bit more of a keener eye. Says the Ben Ishchai as follows. He quotes the Chazal, which tell us, how long was the entire story of the Egel? Anyone know? The Egel is a terrible, terrible situation, right? That we, uh, that we sinned and therefore have to pay for. And how long do we pay for for the Egel? The Gemara says, and there's no onish that a person gets that doesn't have a drop, a tiny bit, a smattering, one sixtieth of the chet of the Egel. That he's paying, we're still paying uh, for that great sin all those years ago. <clears throat> How do you, uh, in the halakha, in the halakha, I'm going to come to, how long do, in the halakha do we understand that something is uh, uh, obliterated? Something is uh, not there. Something is batel. How much, what's the ratio that you have to have? Let's say I drop some milk into a meat pot or meat into a milk pot. 
I drop something kosher, non-kosher into a kosher pot. How much do I need to say that that thing is batel, it is nullified, it's no longer here? You need to have a ratio of batel bishishim, one sixtieth. Now, how long was the egel? The pasuk says, Vayar ha'am ki boshesh Moshe. The people saw that Moshe was delaying. Boshesh is the word that we use in the Torah to mean delaying. But Chazal tells us, our rabbis explain, that Boshesh is really an amalgam of two words. Ba-shesh. The sixth hour had come. Meaning that the sin of the golden calf really was a sin of six hours. Okay? That's Chachamim explained. By the time Moshe came down, saw the sin, realized what was going on, took care of the problem, got the people on the pathway of the Teshuvah, and was already praying for things to be fixed, how long was that whole window? Six hours. Crazy to think that those that such a small amount of time could have made a mark so deep and so penetrating for all future times. And why is it that the sin of the golden calf was so devastating? The Gemara, as we've mentioned many times, says that the sin of the golden calf was so heinous, it was so uh, diabolical, because it's compared to kala shizinta tahat chupata, like a kala that commits adultery under the chupa. Could you imagine a bride under the chupa commit cheats on her husband with the best man right there, under the chupa? It's unfathomable, right? But yet the Jewish people were sitting there at Har Sinai, um, taking on God, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkin Hashem Echad, the Torah, the Gemara said, was like the Ketubah between them, right? Hashem Sinai Ba. We learned many of the laws of a wedding from the process of Sinai. Hashem Sinai Ba means that God came from Sinai. We learned from that that a Chatan walks towards his wife to bring her to the Chupa. That's our Minhag, right? So it's like a Kala that messed up, so to speak, on the night of the wedding. So it needs a tremendous Kapara. Borei Olam says to the Jewish people, I'm going to nullify your avon. With what? With my mo'adim. With my uh, festivals. In the Torah, the festivals are 15 days. Seven days of Sukkot, seven days of Pesach, and one day of Shabuot. Those are the mo'adim. There's an extra day at the end of Sukkot. That's Hag Bifna as we know. But the mo'adim, these mo'adim, what were they? The seven days of Sukkot, seven days of Pesach, and the one day of Shavuot, 15 days. Rabotai, in every single day you have exactly 24 hours. 24 hours times 15 days gives you exactly 360 hours. My friends, 1 60th of 360 hours is six hours. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ele Elohecha Yisrael, I have a trufa. I have something to nullify that. I'm going to give you 360 hours. You took one set of six hours with another God, I'm going to give you 360 hours with me. And when you have those hours with me, then the six hours that you spent with the Abu Zarah, they will become nullified using the method of Echad of Batel B'Shishim. My friends, listen to this, and it's so beautiful. The Ben Ishchai says that this actually was hinted by God to Moshe. Where after the kapara happened, Hashem says to Moshe, I will, 
I'm going to pass all of my goodness across your face. Says the Ben Ishchai, to be is Tet Vav, 15 days be in me. You'll spend 15 days with me. But more than with me, what does he actually say? Be, not imi, not iti, but in me. This teaching of Rabbi Akiva that we've taught, said so many times now comes into the sharpest of focus. Amar Rabbi Akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael, praiseworthy are you, O Israel. In front of who do you become purified? In front of who? In front of Akadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? What does that mean? Who? Who's going to purify you? What is the mikveh that Am Yisrael dips in to become purified? God Himself. Ve'omer, as it says in the Pasuk, Mikveh Yisrael Amonai. Hashem is the Mikveh of the Jewish people. So God says, I want to purify you. We have the concept of a 60th. I'm going to give you 360 hours, which you spend. This is what the Mu'adim are about. To spend the time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And through that, we purify uh, through the method of 160th. My friends, I would like to add one last piece, which is my chidush. The three Mu'adim, each one of them have a distinct feature. The sukkah, the distinct feature of the sukkah is sukkot. That's why, where it gets its name from. It has another mitzvah, but we don't call it hag haminim, okay? It's called haga sukkot. The light of Pesach has also a defining feature. Yes, you're not allowed to eat chametz on it, but that's not what it's called. What is it called? It's called Pesach. And it defined, it revolves around the meal of the Korban Pesach. And Shavuot, we have no mitzvah per se, right? But the holiday of Shavuot, what's its defining feature today for all of us? Is the menag that we stay up all night to rectify the fact that we slept in, uh, so to speak, on the holiday of Shavuot. We stay up all night studying Torah. Listen to this, my friends. What are we doing with the Mu'adim? We just learned from the Ben Ishchai. Ele Mu'adei Amunai counteracts Ele Elohecha Yisrael. Ele Eskira. There's some things that God says I'll remember, but if you want me to forget, the opposite, Gam Ele Tishakachna, all these I will forget as well. So the Ele that you remember, and the Ele that, so to speak, we forget, that, so to speak, is tied in these two things. What is God actually physically doing with the Mu'adim? Take a look. The Sukkah is rebuilding the Chupah. That night that we destroyed, that wedding night that we ruined, the Sukkah represents once again rebuilding that Chupah. The Pesach represents the festive meal that you have at the wedding, uh, that, uh, the, the massive meal that we have at each wedding. And finally, my friends, Shabuot, the staying up all night, recreates the first night of the Chatan and Kala together <clears throat> uh, as they uh, consummate, so to speak, the marriage between them. Each one of these Mu'adim combines, coalesces to eradicate that sin. But my friends, what would happen if we looked at the Mu'adim at the holidays, not as a thing to do, so to speak, mitzvot to do, but rather 
to incorporate those elements of change into a connection, a deep and abiding connection, a feeling that we are being purified from within God, that we've deepened and made our relationship with Hashem much more serious. You know, if you think about the, the times that you remember as a family, your memories of your grandpa, you know, in the house, some of our strongest memories revolve around the holidays that we spend together. You remember your grandpa at the Seder, right? And, and when you get older, you remember your father leading the Seder. You remember sitting in the sukkah with your family. You remember staying up perhaps all night on Shabbat, sitting next to your dad, you know, running up and down 500 times, getting coffee and cake every three minutes, you know, because you were up all night in shul. Some of our best family memories, our relationship memories, revolve around the holidays when we get to spend this time with our families. But my friends, really what we're doing is much greater than that. We're getting to spend this time with Boreh Olam himself. And yes, we are with our families, but we're taking our families together into this relationship with Hashem. See if you can reset your mind so that that's what you're focused on when you're celebrating the holidays. Not just fulfilling the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. The Bach writes that if a person sits in the sukkah and he does not think, I am remembering the fact that we left Egypt and God protected us with Sukkot or kept us in the Ananea Kavod, he's not fulfilled his mitzvah. What we're supposed to take from that is, I remember that God protected me. I remember that God was looking out for me. You know, we say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's elements of protection is, is in the sukkah. Like the Pasuk says, Ki yispineni b'sukkah, you have hidden me in your sukkah b'yom ra'ah, in a bad, in a bad time. Right? In these terrible times, you know, tefaliteni, uh, uh, you've helped me escape. So the sukkah represents God's protection. And the Sifarim ask, this is God's protection? Something that can't, you know, that can't protect you from the rain, the walls are flimsy. You want God's protection? Show me the most solid brick house that the, the, the big bad wolf can huff and puff and he still can't blow down. That should be a symbolism of God's protection. Your house should remind you of God's protection. Why do we go into this uh, temporary dwelling and that's what reminds you of God's protection? My friends, sometimes people want to buy a house. But sometimes also, people want to buy a tent. What makes a house person want to buy a house? And what makes a tent person want to buy a tent? You have a person who buys himself a couch. And you have a person who buys himself a seat on an airplane. What's more comfortable? A couch or a seat on an airplane? Couch. Now could you imagine going up to a guy on an airplane and say to the guy on the airplane, listen, I know you spent $1,000 on this seat, you know, but you're, you're, you're a moron. Because if you just went to the furniture store, you could have gotten a seat you know, four times as wide for $1,000. I mean, I don't know who, you know, whoever taught you to think, but obviously you're not a serious person spending $1,000 on this little small seat, you know, on an airplane, stuck in a tube where they're making you wear, wear a mask. <laughs> okay? Everyone understands that guy's an idiot. You go to a guy who's camping in the Grand Canyon and he's got a, his tent pitched. You tell him, look, you're sitting here in this tent, you know, 
if I were to recommend you, there's some beautiful houses in the middle of Brooklyn on, you know, Avenue 7th and uh, J. You know, you could buy a house over there. Why would you settle for this tent? Each of them looks at the person. They say, you're out of your mind. The $1,000 I spend on the seat is not valuable because of the seat. It's valuable because of where it's taking me. The tent is not valuable as a house. I wouldn't live in a tent forever. But when I want to go on a vacation or if I need to get somewhere, I can't take the house with me. My friends, of course God gives us protection in the form of a house, no doubt. But what God is telling us is, I love you enough that even when you journey away from me, even when the dwelling that I'm going to have you sit in has to be something that is less than ideal, even when you're in the desert for an extra 40 years, more than I intended, right? You think the eviction moratorium is bad because we've had it delayed for another six months, another six months, another six months? God housed the Jewish people. It was supposed to be for a few days. <laughs> and then it was like another year and another year, another 39 extra years, more than anticipated. They lived rent-free in the Ananiakavod. God says, even when you stray from me, I'm going to give you my protection in the form of a sukkah that you could put up wherever you go. That I will be with you no matter what. Zacharti la chesed I remember the kindness of your youth. Avat When you came to the chuppah, that you followed me into the desert. I remember. And in the merit of you following me into a situation which you did not know where you'd get food or shelter. You walked after me into the desert. You held my hand. I, in turn, will hold your hand no matter where you go. My friends, that is the job of Sukkot. Building the emunah within the person. Feeling Boreh Olam within him. No matter what he's like. Feeling Boreh Olam uh, pumping through his veins. Helping him connect closer and closer. Like a husband and wife do. Until they have a unique intimate connection. One with the other. One that cannot be shared by anybody else. The relationship between a husband and wife... Uh, after the first night of the wedding is such that their connection cannot be duplicated by anybody else. What they have, she doesn't have with her parents or with her friends or with any other person she's ever dated. The relationship, the intimacy that's shared between husband and wife is sacred. No one else has that. The job of the Mu'adim is to create a never-before-achieved and never-again-repeated connection with God that is as unique as you are if we looked at it that way then how much more would these Mu'adim give us each time we went through one we would be spiraling upwards towards God in a never ending spiral of closeness of understanding of, uh, of trust, of reliance and through that process refine ourselves to the point where we do away with the sin of the golden calf forever. That of course being a euphemism for any doubt, for any other thing, for any other God, any other uh, uh, influence in our lives, but our moral compasses, our connection with Borei Olam and the Torah that he so kindly uh, gave us all those years ago. Baruch Adonai Olam. Amen